All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. Got your MoneyWise guys back inside the MoneyWise studio with me for this weekend show. I have my brother Jeff, Mr. Joe Rust, and my father, John Davidson, joining us for this weekend's MoneyWise program. And if you're a new listener to MoneyWise, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. We're in our 34th year of business, and with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, we have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Tuesday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. As we kick off every weekend's MoneyWise program, I turn it over to my brother, Jeff, to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. So, Jeff, take it away. Okay, in the week just passed, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 672 points, or 2%. The S&P 500 last week was up about 104 points, or 2.7%. And the NASDAQ last week was up about 510 points, or 4.8%. Now, for the year to date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 3.5%. The S&P 500 year-to-date is up 4.2%. And the NASDAQ year-to-date is up 5.9%. So, for any long-time listeners of the Money Wise program, have a very special and honored guest, our father, John Davidson. <laughs> and I would say to Joe, a, 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 another, you know, you're, you're the son from another father. So, yes, and I have my popcorn ready today. I brought it just for the show. Well, and I'm sure a lot of our longtime listeners have gotten their popcorn and iced tea ready to, to see what the show is going to be putting out for this weekend because <laughs> I'm wondering if Dad came on the show because he was so tired of us talking about the Fed. He, could, he couldn't stand it You are no correct, more. sir. You right. are correct, sir. You couldn't stand it anymore. He's like, I got to come teach these youngsters what, what time it is. So welcome, I get, welcome back. You're on a five-minute limit on the Fed this week. Five minutes. Okay. I got if a I timer get, right here. Five get, minutes. That's all you can talk about, these fools. All right. If I ever get a question about the radio show, I'll, I'll always say, when's, when's your father going to be back on again? When's, when's John going to be back on? I said, he's coming. He's, he's, he's working up his material, and when he's ready to go, he will be back on the show. So I'm sure since it's been about six months, I really don't know, Dad, how long it's All been. All I know is I am very happy that the President of the United States keeps our secret papers right with his Corvette Club uh, weekly or monthly statements from his Wilmington Corvette Club. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad he co-mingles all the nuclear codes with the newsletters. Feel yeah. so much better about that. I only regret that I got rid of my Corvette so I could keep all my money next to my Corvette in my garage. 
Okay, we're off to a fast start. Hot, hot out of the blocks. So, and the, and so one of the reasons, one of the reasons Dad said he really wanted to come on when when I saw him um, on his birthday last week. We were, and we, you know, we didn't even mention your birthday on the radio. I blame that on Kyle. Oh, um, thank you. The youngest, the youngest son. <laughs> and Dad yeah, says, he, I really want to come. Or is it? I really want to come on the show. Um, <clears throat> Because he wants to talk about politics, right? No, I I wanted you guys to kind of tone it down on the Federal Reserve. Seriously. I mean, you know, I start, when I go to sleep listening to the radio show, that's not good. And when you guys start getting into all this, when you get into M1, M2, and all this (laughs) business about what Powell is doing, you know, these guys have got 1,700 analysts, and they did not forecast raising interest rates last year. Now, why do we pay attention to these people? Why do, why do we pay attention to these people? Because uh, the they market have no does. forecasting ability. The 10-year is the head. The Federal Reserve is the tail. The 10-year is wagging the tail. The Federal Reserve is going to do what they're going to do, which has no bearing on the world that we live in. I mean, it's just a fact. They are more useless today at any time in my career. It's just I, a I fact. Just, I, That's the I way I figure I listened to the past show a year ago, and you referred to the Fed as the tail on the weenie dog. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be Here's a miniature research. schnauzer. It'd be a miniature schnauzer now. And when and dead when you're talking about the ten year for our listeners, you're talking about the ten year treasury. Ten year treasury. It, it's, that's what it's, determines. It's, and to me, that's what you watch. We have an inverted yield curve. All recessions have been preceded by an inverted yield curve. An inverted yield curve doesn't mean we're going to have a recession. Blah, 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 blah. So and, and, so with the 10-year and the yield curve the way it is right now, what is that telling? What does that tell you? Well, as you know, I consider myself one of the top bond buyers in South Texas since I am the oldest bond manager in South Texas. And, and I've been buying two-year, three-year, and I mean, one, two, and three-year bonds because I can get 5% going out three years. So why get too carried away in stocks? Now, at my age, I shouldn't be more than 30% in equities anyway. But you have a situation where we haven't seen – I haven't been able to get 5% riskless uh, since I retired, since I retired. So, you know, that looks kind of juicy, which is kind of funny because when I was a broker in the 70s, people were upset getting five and a quarter in their savings account, and Wall Street created the money market fund because of it. People would be tickled to death now to get five and a quarter guaranteed by the government for the rest of their lives. I mean, uh, there would be a problem for stocks. There would be another Tina, right? There would be somewhere else to put the money, and that's what you guys used to talk about. Well, There's well nothing we're else. T- well, the, well, but yeah, but others, we, but but we've well, been saying that Tina, remember, yeah, yeah, we've been the, saying Tina is dead because there is yeah, well, an alternative the, yeah, now. No, that's right. The other thing is we used to talk about the stock market being up ten percent a year. Well, that's not true for this century. It's more like seven, seven and a half. So if you can get five riskless, that's competition. That's competition. But we shouldn't have a, two negative years in a row in the stock market. We had a horrendous market last year. So this should be an up year plus historically the third year of a first term president is the best of the four years. So this should be Joe Biden's best year. This should be the best year for the market in his first term. Well, and, and I'm not talking with, second term. I'm not talking second. I'm just saying well, in this term, the third year, because 
takes a year or so to get the people's policies in. You know, he spent all this money, so we should be seeing all these bridges being built and all this fabulous new transportation where we're not going to be having. Did we have planes that were on the ground? This well, week? well, wait, wait, wait a second, Dad. Dad, wait a second, wait a second. There, there, there's. It's come out of Washington that they can't build new roads because building new roads is gonna is going to be adding to the greenhouse. Well, gases. we have racist and, and we, roads. Yeah, and we have to we have to protect the environment. So no new roads for anybody. Well, yeah. let's pause right there. Let's take our first commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise Guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise Guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Tuesday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise Guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at one 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning in this weekend's Money Wise program, we have a special guest making a return visit, uh, our father, John Davidson, is back on the Money Wise program. The Loose Cannon is here. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to recap some things that you said in the last segment, and it's something that we've been talking about on this program. And I had a lengthy conversation with one of our San Antonio clients Friday afternoon talking about the kind of silver linings from, you know, obviously we had one of the worst stock markets since the financial crisis as far as its performance, one of the, again, worst 60-40 portfolio returns since the financial crisis. And with all these interest rate increases by the Fed, it has created a silver lining for balanced managers and for bond investors because they finally have access to interest rates that they haven't had access to in more than a decade. And as I was having this conversation with the client on Friday, you know, we're taking full advantage of that as a balanced manager. And with these higher interest rates on fixed income, it allows pre-retirees and retired uh, investors to not have to step out as far in their portfolio on the as far as from a risk profile or beta in their portfolio to generate nice returns in their portfolio to live off of in retirement. So this is kind of a silver lining from the turmoil that all investors went through last year. And so last week we increased our allocation to treasury bonds by buying another one, continuing to build out our bond portfolio. Uh, We've been discussing uh, starting to buy some corporate bonds here in the weeks ahead, and we expect to have our bond portfolio fully built out sometime between now and the the next Fed Federal Reserve meeting, maybe by the or maybe a little bit a couple of weeks after. But we'll I think we'll we'll definitely be fully invested in terms of uh, the bond portion of the portfolio for sure. I think by the end of the first quarter. Um, mm-hmm. and, and taking individual bonds to a level that we haven't had. I mean, as you re- may recall, we had sold a substantial portion of our bond portfolio at the beginning of 2002. As, you know, 2022. Longer, pardon me, 2022. Thank you, Kyle. Um, take to, Because we were expecting higher interest rates. We, none of us were expecting uh, interest rates to go as high as they did, and we sold uh, – 
all of our maturities out in uh, year 2024, 2025, 2026. Uh, we sold all those at the beginning of last year, and we had installed a, a, an, an investment that profited when interest rates went higher, which was our best performer in, in 2022. We have since exited that particular uh, instrument and took all of our the last of our profits. And as Dad had you know talked about in the first segment, uh, the interest rates and then you know just are are so attractive now than they have been for you know 15 years really yes uh, 15 and, years and so it would be it would be not prudent management to not take advantage of that and to throw in a little bit of uh, uh, portfolio review and analysis saw a portfolio this week no bonds in it yeah. A hundred percent stocks. Golly. No bonds. Nothing. What was the age? What was the age of the perspective? Was it a twenty-five year old? It was the the client the client was in their the client was in their forties, so it wasn't wholly inappropriate. Now was it inappropriate last year to 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 have had that? You know, for for yeah, I mean, for lack, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't appropriate. Um, well, if they had started buying bonds in the summer, coming down from 100% equities, that had, you know, that had been the perfect thing to do in that portfolio. And and like we've been, we've been saying, you know, the number of shows, this really resonated with uh, this, this particular client that I spoke with when we went on the show and we talked about, um, did my advisor make any changes to my portfolio last year? If there wasn't a, you know, in the last 10 plus years, a year in which you definitely need to be doing something in your portfolio, last year was one of them. And if nothing happened and, and you're paying a management fee, Why? what more evidence do you need that, <laughs> that this is this, that this organization individual is not actually a money manager because they were I would of, assume his port his handicap and golf definitely improved last year <laughs> went down when you Joe based well, on yeah. that kind of portfolio management he could have spent a lot of time on the golf course lack thereof I mean it's My it's God. irresponsible but, but Jeff but Jeff it goes to the conversations we've had on past shows about the passive strategy of the legacy financial distribution system, the classic brokerage firms of every big-name firm that you can think of that markets left and right, this is, again, that passive strategy that we talk about. It's years like last year where there's no – you can't be passive. You can never be passive in your portfolio unless you're 100% bonds, 100% fixed income, and you just let it ride. So I will. I'll, I'll challenge our listeners. Challenge is the right word. To, you should have received your December thirty first statement by now. Get out your December thirty first statement and compare it to your December thirty first statement of twenty twenty one and see if there's any changes in the portfolio. See if you still own the same securities in the same proportions, because just doing the same thing over and over is the definition of insanity. And it, and you might you would, want to have the beverage of your choice before you open up that envelope. You might, but if there's been it no might change, make it a little bit better. If there's been no change and, and you're paying for investment management, then you have to seriously think about, okay, I'm not getting it. 
and last year I should have got some. And and if 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 you're not, then it's time to make a change. And because last year was just, man. I, I know there's. I know that we're going to be hearing from folks like we did in in in, in the end of 08 in 2009. Said you know what, Jeff? You y'all said the same things back then. And you know I. I look at this. Look at these portfolios, and you're right. There wasn't any change. There isn't anything happening in my portfolio. And you know even this you can't. You can't set up a portfolio at the beginning of this year and and, and just sit on it. Because this this year is going to be maybe not as volatile as last year, uh, but if the year goes the way that you know we think it is, where we think the first half of the year may be more challenged than the second half of the year, um, you've got to be very careful. You know, don't let what's happened in the last two weeks, in my opinion, be a determining factor how the whole year is going to go. We've had nine trading days, and I'm still scratching my head as to why the Nasdaq's up six percent. We haven't had a lick, not one report from any technology company of any great interest has come out and said anything about their current, their last quarter, or their outlook for the year. But that's good enough for a six percent gain in the Nasdaq? I don't think so. Well, yeah, Jim. One one thing I've noticed in, in between Fed meetings. And Fed commentaries, especially Fed meetings particularly, you see a little bit of a run in the last two or three quarters on the NASDAQ. So it's not uncommon to see a 10% run on the NASDAQ in these lulls. I mean, that's right. a pattern we've seen. We, so, we've seen that. And so we've run, you know, Kyle, will, uh, I'll steal a little bit of his thunder. Um, we've run right back up to near the 200-day the, uh, moving average. But we're, yeah, we're, we're sitting still, right on it. We're sitting right mm-hmm. on it, but we're still in the downtrend that goes all the way back to uh, 12 months ago, we're still in the downtrend. So we've we've seen this story before. We saw this story last year in the summertime, where we went above the 200-day line briefly, only to have it fail again, and we go to new lows. And and we're all we we've been handicapping on a daily basis between the three of us whether we think that the lows we saw last year are going to be the lows. That they're that we're that we're not going to go below them, um, you know. I'm I'm kind of still in the camp that we may go slightly below them. Um, I'm I'm not in the three thousand camp. Like what was that Morgan? Is that the Morgan Stanley guy? Mike Wilson. Well, Mike Wilson. Yeah. That, that's Mike like Wilson. at three like thousand on the S and P, which would be forty percent down, I believe. Mega bear. Uh, he's a mega bear. Well, we know how they're positioned at Morgan Stanley when he's yeah. he's been touting that all year. And and you're right. We've got to get further away from the October, the intraday October low of thirty four ninety one on the S and P, which is going to take time. Same same thing, Jeff, you've been talking about all last year in the show. This is the time where you have to be patient. And as I've been saying to every client I'm having a conversation with, we're still defensively positioned, but our offensive sword is firmly in our other hand, and we're gripping it, and we're just biding our time of when we're going to start deploying the offense, but we're going to be doing it very slowly. And I think we've said on the program, we're kind of slow jamming in and around here because we do feel that the first half of the year is going to be more volatile than the second half. And so we would recommend all investors to always have your buy list ready, but make sure you have dry powder to take advantage of buying opportunities as we get into 2023. Well, let's take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise guys, be back after this. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Tuesday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from the Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at 1 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So, well, just I have a question in, for oh, yeah, sure. I'm sorry. No, I, I have a question for, for you and Joe. Yeah. Uh, you're working in Alliance Capital. I want to know what mutual funds you guys would have been pumping last year. Technically, it was it's now Alliance Bernstein. Bernstein. So, right, but Alliance Bernstein. Have, have so, the value so, side of it. Okay. But hold on. T- tell me, me what funds they would have had you guys pumping last year. Well, no. Well, he, here's the thing. Just to preface this is, you know, Joe and I worked there, what, 20-plus years ago? Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So we worked there 20-plus years ago, and – I know that when we were working there, I mean, it was the technology fund. It was the premier growth. It was the growth and in income. Those were, I'd say, Joe, wouldn't those be kind of the big three primaries that we were selling? Well, we also had the North American. We had a, a bond fund and the largest, one of the largest holdings they had was WorldCom. So, yeah, Enron's in there. WorldCom's <laughs> in there. I mean, we've. And this Enron, back, yeah, this was back, this was back in, had, you know, 99 and 2000. Amper. Yeah. This was a long. This was a long time ago. Um, well, I think about that, and I think about you always talking about the Monte Carlo theory of managing money. I bet that just really knocked it out of the ballpark last year, didn't well, it? Well, and see that, and see that's the problem, and this is what we've talked about for the Wish last. Wish I could have sounded like Harry Carey there, but I didn't. Well, I mean, th- this is well. You got the same kind of glasses he'd be wearing on, you know, wearing right now. <laughs> if anyone can see you, yours aren't much kind. different. <laughs> well, this is yeah. true. Mine aren't. Mine aren't that much different. You know, the, like the acorn. The acorn doesn't fall too far from the tree as far as uh, eyeglass wear. But no, but it was uh, a big win the day you came around. That's right. But, but, but I mean, here's the thing about the Monte Carlo portfolio. And we've talked about this for the last 16 years on the show. The, the legacy distribution systems are always trying to simplify the acts of active money management. And unfortunately, there is no magic black box algorithm or any of these, you know, trading algorithmic programs that can truly perfect or even come close to the active management of experienced portfolio managers who's been in the trenches because all the technical algorithms are only trying to follow the technical the technical aspects of the market but the stock market is not just about technicals there's also human emotion that is involved and there's no computer that can capture the human emotion of investors it's not possible and these monte carlo theories that are taking all this past history and all this past data of the market and it says well if you're this age and you have this risk tolerance then based on all this data extrapolated from a computer you need to have x percentage in emerging markets x percentage of international small cap large cap growth value bonds the whole nine yards but you can't just set it and forget it and if you don't have the best of breed investment options in the portfolio, which takes away from these proprietary relationships that the legacy distribution system has with every money manager, fund manager that's out there or ETF provider. 
you have to be with experienced managers that says, you know what, based on the current economic and geopolitical risks, based on politics, based on all these different determining factors, you know what, maybe international emerging market isn't an area I want to invest in in years like 2022. But in Monte Carlo theory would say, well, based on history, you need to have 25% of your portfolio. In it. And guess what? If you had 25% of your portfolio in emerging markets, internationals last year, you got hammered. And guess what? We didn't own any of it. Why? Because just between Jeff, Joe, and myself, we have, what, 75-plus years of experience? You know, this is where being in the trenches and having that experience matters. You cannot simplify the act of active management through a computer program. But that's what all these legacy distribution systems do so their brokers or their sales reps can spend their time harvesting money because they're sure not managing it. Yeah, When I founded the company in 1989, it was quite rare to have a balanced manager. That's why in the early days, raising funds was not the easiest thing to do because there were fixed income managers and there were equity managers. But I saw the need to protect investors, this business of, you know, the rules of investing, don't lose money, et cetera, et cetera. So we were quite. It was quite unusual in the early days to even talk about a balanced manager. Now it's become more common. You know, you didn't hear people talking about a 60-40 portfolio in 1990. No way. No way. The, the, other, the other thing that's changed in the 30-plus years that we've been in business is there's so many organizations now involved in the management business. You know, back 30 years ago, the, the brokerage industry was brokers. They were catering to individuals. They were taking orders. They were making recommendations and earning a commission. And then that they've all morphed into this dual role, this dual marketing role of wearing the broker hat and wearing the money manager hat, when in reality they're not really managing any money. They've farmed it off to somebody else, and they've added additional fees and expenses into the whole process. So, one thing I want to say about Monte Carlo now, the Monte Carlo analysis portfolios, they're geared for passive investing. They're not geared to active investing. They're geared to passive investing based on looking at the past and how the markets perform. That doesn't mean that the markets are going to perform the same way into the future. Because do you think, Dad, in 1992, 1993, you know, 92 when I started, that that we would that we would look at each other and say, you know. You know, Dad, in uh, in the year 2009 to 2020, uh, the Federal Reserve is basically going to have federal funds rated about zero. You'd have thought I, I, I was I, totally nuts. Well, we totally must have nuts. had the worst situation yeah. in the economy right. that made the Depression look like good days. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would have thought. If you told someone interest <laughs> rates are going to be zero, it's like, hell, it's going to be you know, what's the guy, the, the, the mad guy that used to roam uh, Australia in those cars? What was that? Mad, mad, Max. mad Max must be like roaming the web if like, interest rates are zero. Right. Like an apocalypse. Like I mean, an apoc- so, apocalyptic. Yeah, apocalypse. So yeah. Yeah. Would, would Monte Carlo analysis help you? And you know, <laughs> They're not geared toward the, that kind of environment. You know, the, the, or, or for a you know, 100-year uh, pandemic or the, you know, 
terrorist attacks of 2001. You know, there had to be real, real people making real decisions in real time and not this, this computer algorithmic generated portfolio, which I saw another one this week from our good friends, and I'm not going to say their name, but I'll use their initials, EJ. I saw another one here in the last, just, just a couple of days ago. Once again, 20-some-odd securities in the portfolio, ETFs, exchange-traded funds, and mutual funds. And I kid you not, I don't know how, you know, three different international funds and four different small-cap funds. And it's like, what are these people doing? Why can they not seem to figure out, why don't we just pick the best of breed and put it in the portfolio. Why do we need to have three of the same thing or four of the same thing? It's all marketing. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all to give the investor the illusion that they are diversified, when in reality, they're really not. Yes, Joe? Well, I wanted to hit on this, and I know John will probably talk about it. Portfolio management, you're talking about computers and generating, you know, a, 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 a diversified portfolio with, with a certain percentage in this fund and a certain percentage in this fund or stock, but it's still an art. And I think if you look at two of the last three years, that's what you have to take into account is there's some things that you just can't plug into a model. And we, in the last two, two or three years, we've seen that. So. Well, it goes back to the, it goes back to what, you know, dad taught Jeff and I, all, you know, all those years ago is that money management, it's a combination of science and art. And what Wall, the big Wall Street firms are trying to do is break it all down to science with no art. Monte Carlo theories and all these different portfolio strategies, that's just science. But you have to have the art. Like Jeff said, when certain things change in the market, you can't just let it pass Keep by. doing the same thing. Doing, Keep the, same doing thing. the same thing. You have to make adjustments. You have to be willing to make those adjustments. And that goes for someone who's listening to this show that manages their own money themselves. You can't be passive in your portfolio because the markets can change in the blink of an eye. Geopolitical risks are always present. Political risks are always present. Different risks of all different kinds. And so you just can't be asleep at the wheel. And we saw too many portfolios through 2022 where they were asleep at the wheel. You know, one of my newer clients in San Antonio hadn't had any adjustments to their portfolio in five years, five plus years. And they're wondering why they were down so much in 2022 with such little exposure to stocks. It's because they had the wrong bond strategy, but the bond strategy was set in place five years ago and never touched again and never touched again. This is the problem with the legacy distribution system. And I'm sorry we're spending a lot of the show harping on this, but we're just continuing through our portfolio review process, seeing the same thing that we have been seeing for 34 years. And eventually, after being on air for 16 years, more and more people are starting to be educated and realize and wake up and starting to know what they own and understanding better about that and wanting to get that a second opinion, which we're always gladly here to provide. Well, let's take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Tuesday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So in our, we're, our, we are in our last segment of the first hour of this weekend's MoneyWise program. Um, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about strategy inside the portfolio and and again as we said earlier in the program that we're we're being very patient in and around here we're still very much in a defensive posture if we're looking at our moderate allocation portfolios we are anywhere between 38 to 35 percent allocated to equities and for the individual stock uh accounts the process that we're going through is we scraped profits uh the very first week of the of the new year because you never go broke taking a profit. We reduced all of our exposure to our individual stocks to a half of 1%. And as earnings are going to be coming out over the next two quarters, we'll be making the determination to step money back into these individual stock positions as we hear their earnings for the fourth quarter and the first quarter and what their forward guidance is going to be to their final destination, which most likely would be a 1% allocation to each one of the individual 40 stocks. Well, this past week, United Health, United Healthcare came out their earnings, solid top and bottom beat, good solid forward guidance on their forecast. And so we did our first step in after taking some profits out of it at the very beginning of the year and increased our allocation to seven-tenths of a percent. And so this is a strategy, you know, again, for your home gamers, people that are managing the money on their own, have got dry powder, have your buy list together. You know, I would definitely be patient in and around here, at least for the first half of the year, to incrementally dollar cost average into these positions. As we're positions on your buy list. And as we're doing that at the same time, we're building out the, the bond portfolio. And because our, our view on rates is we, we pretty much, you know, as a consensus believe that the Federal Reserve is, sorry, dad, just give me a few, give me, give me 60 <laughs> seconds to talk about the Federal Reserve. Um, believe that they've probably got at least one, maybe two more rate increases and then they're going to stand pat. So we want to get the bond portfolio built out uh, in anticipation of them stopping raising interest rates because we may we may have seen the, the peak yield and the 10-year may have occurred last year. We may test it again sometimes this year. I really don't know what's going on with the 10-year. I'm scratching my head just about everybody else's right now. Um, and we're concentrating our, our uh, purchases in our standard, you know, anywhere between two to five years out uh, in terms of maturity. We haven't bought anything out in years three, four, or or five yet, uh, but we will probably be doing that here in the next few months. And the portfolio is going to be a combination. The bond side of the portfolio is going to be a combination of corporate bonds and government bonds, which is a little different 
than compositions that we have ran in the bond portfolio really for the last, you know, you, you refresh my recollection, dad, we, we didn't really own a lot of cor- a lot of uh, treasuries back in the day. We own a lot of corporates, but we no. also, we also owned a few agencies. Yes. Um, but we're getting as you know, dad, we rarely own treasuries in the old days. Cause you, you could get so much more in corporates and as and as a firm, we've never had a bond default. We've never had a bond default. In the history of the firm. But as a way of diverse, diversifying the portfolio, um, we have we've been buying some treasuries, and we're going to be adding some corporate bonds here in the next you know six weeks, couple of months, and building that portfolio out. My estimation is, and y'all can agree or disagree with me, that we will probably have the bond portion of the portfolio built out long before. We, we get to the maximum mass allocation to stocks. I don't think we're going to get to maximum mass allocation to stocks this year, which in a moderate mass allocation portfolio in the current interest rate environment is 60% invested in stocks. I don't see that happening in, in 2023. I think it's probably a 2024 uh, uh, assumption at this point. Is that it's data dependent. It's it's going to be oh, wow. data. It's going to be data dependent. dependent. <laughs> but 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 I, but I do but I do know that in the next couple of quarters we're definitely just going to be moving a lot more slowly and methodically on the stock side as the data starts to come in because you know we've got to get this bear market over. Um, history says that an average bear market lasts around fourteen months. We're basically now starting month thirteen of the bear market. Um, so bear markets have at times lasted longer than 14 months, but we've got to get the Fed ending their interest rate increases, which we know they're kind of in their ninth inning now of, of ending that. So that's good. So we can figure out what the federal funds rate is going to be. But then now we've got to hear the earnings. We have to hear the earnings. We have to hear the forward guidance. So it's going to be a stock by stock basis when it comes to the portfolio. And for the asset builders, you know, on the fixed income side, we will have a combination of the treasury bonds, and we're doing research on a corporate exchange-traded fund to bring in some corporate bond exposure, but through an exchange-traded fund as opposed to individual bonds due to limitations on inventory. Um, and as far another as little thing kind of let people in on that, that you might, our listeners might be very surprised to even hear us even considering this. We have actually been discussing overseas investments. Now, whether right. that ultimately, whether that ultimately ends up being an international fund, which really focuses on the more developed economies, or an emerging markets investment that focuses more on the emerging economies, that's all still being discussed amongst all of us. Uh, we have not had an international or emerging markets investment in our portfolios in many years. And this, I'd go back before pre, you know, pre-COVID. Almost since I retired. Yeah, probably, pre-COVID. That, that probably is, <laughs> probably is correct. Um, but the other thing is, is that for now, and we are not buying any mutual funds. All of our investments are in individual stocks, individual bonds, whether they be corporate or uh, government and exchange traded funds. We are not targeting any mutual funds uh, for investments in our portfolios at this time. And it's also a great Can way I make to lower one political comment. Yeah, well, you got to be quick because we got about a minute yes. left. 
I think you should assume that the CIA slash FBI and or the Democratic Party were the people that put these papers in the garage. I think that is a signal that Joe Biden is not going to be the candidate in the 2024 election. Is that good for the market? Is that good or bad for the market, in your opinion? It doesn't matter. The only thing good for the market is Republican administration in 2025. Well, we're going to have to definitely have you back, Dad, and not take six months to bring you back. So you'll have to be coming on more regularly (laughs) for 2023 and keep us talking about the Fed a little bit less. But with that, we're we're coming up to the top of the hour break, so we're going to take the break, go into the news. When we come back, we'll be diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program and continuing with investor education. So stay tuned. We'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise guys will be back after the news. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on Money Wise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call at our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Moneywise podcast on Apple Podcasts, where you can like the show and leave us a comment. So, as we're diving into this second hour of this weekend's Moneywise program, shifting gears into investor education, is like we like to dedicate the second hours of every weekend's program going in and really pulling the curtain back and trying to educate investors uh, all across this state and anyone who's listening to our podcast and our terrestrial radio show. And was thinking about some topics from an educational standpoint and, and wanted, I came up with a title and I alluded to it just a little bit, but I wanted to talk about in this second hour of the things that Wall Street won't tell you. Now to give a little bit of history of Davidson Capital Management, why our father started our firm back in 1989, is he wanted to pull the curtain back on Wall Street. Pull the curtain back, bring integrity, honesty, ethics, transparency into the investor-advisor relationship. And in all of our years of business and all the hundreds upon hundreds and hundreds of portfolios portfolio reviews we have done, we have come to just notice a very ongoing, consistent theme when we do these portfolio reviews. And we're doing portfolio reviews from prospective clients that have accounts at Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, Ameriprise, Fidelity, Schwab, Edward Jones. I mean, you name any major uh, brokerage firm in this country that markets on television, print, ad, computer, what have you, follows you all across the internet, we have reviewed these types of portfolios. And over the last 30-plus years of being in business, we just see these very consistent themes recurring again and again and again 
in prospective clients' portfolios. And we talk about it from time to time during the first hour of the Weekend's Money Wise program throughout the years. But I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into this topic and really pulling the curtain back and talking about the things of what these big Wall Street firms are not going to be telling you as an investor. And as we've said from day one on the Money Wise program is that you always have to dig deeper. You, you cannot take things for face value. You have to have your questions on hand when you're out there interviewing a prospective advisor that you're wanting to work with, or if you're already working with an advisor, questions that you need to go back and ask and get these answers. And if you're not receiving proper answers or answers that are just not making you feel very at ease, then maybe it's time for you to take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis to get that second opinion. And that's the purpose for us to be doing the portfolio reviews and analysis that we do and have been doing for the past 30 plus years is to give that second opinion to investors. So one of the first trends and themes that we're constantly seeing from all these major brokerage firms when we do portfolio reviews is portfolios that are just chalked full with a multitude of exchange-traded funds and mutual funds. And when I say chalked full, I can take an example of prospective client's portfolio who was working with Fidelity. And in one account, not only had over 30 exchange-traded funds, but had over 25 mutual funds. So we're talking over 50 individual positions in either mutual funds or exchange-traded funds. And the first question that comes to my, my mind is, why? Why do you need so many? Why is this shotgun blast approach where tiny bits of this prospective client's assets were allocated to such a vast, large number of exchange-traded funds and mutual funds. So one thing you have to remember about exchange-traded funds, for, you know, by and large, the exchange-traded funds that we invest in and we see that in these other organizations invest in, uh, they are in, in and of themselves diversified investments. They have hundreds of different securities inside, say, an individual exchange-traded fund. Same holds true for mutual funds. They can t- contain hundreds of different investments. So when you have a portfolio that has 50, 60 different exchange-traded funds and mutual funds, and each one of those exchange-traded funds and mutual funds holds 100-plus securities, well, you can imagine, well, that's it just if you each one of them held 100 securities and you had 50 different positions, that would be 5,000 different securities. Now, they don't actually own 5,000 different securities in, in all of these uh, exchange-traded funds and mutual funds combined. What, they end up, what ends up happening is, is there is so much overlap when you look at the portfolio in totality. They, they might have 10 different exchange-traded funds and mutual funds that invest in the exact same asset class which mean mean like large cap growth stocks or small cap growth stocks or mid cap growth stocks or value stocks, so on and so on and so on. 
And so at the end, at the end, our opinion is when we see a portfolio like this, to, to us, what it appears is it appears to be marketing more than anything, because it's not really serving the client. It's, it, it's, it's over diversification in names, but it's really over, this is so totally over diversified. It makes no sense to, to design a portfolio in this way, except for one reason, and that is marketing in well, our opinion. And into marketing that also is appearance. Right. To appear as if they're doing more right. in your portfolio than what they actually are. Because at Davidson Capital Management, if you're in our asset builder program where we own nothing but exchange traded funds and no load mutual funds, we don't have 25 different exchange traded funds or mutual funds. You know, there's been times where we've had maybe up to nine, maybe 10, sometimes seven. What we do as portfolio managers, as in-house money managers, is we vet each and every one of the positions, each one of the exchange-traded funds and mutual funds to determine if they're, in our opinion, from our analysis and research, the best of breed for the respective asset class that we want represented in the portfolio at this particular time. And so I want to hold right there and we'll pick up this conversation on the other side of the break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at one 800 Two seven five two one six two. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts, where you can leave your comments, and don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning in for this weekend's MoneyWise program, we'll continue with investor education and talking about what Wall Street won't tell you. And so before we went to break, talking about portfolios that we have reviewed that just have a multitude of exchange-traded funds and mutual funds, a a situation where you get over-diversified in a portfolio, and why these major brokerage firms across the country do this. And in our opinion, it is for marketing. It is to appear as if they're doing more work in a client's portfolio than they actually are. And so before we went to break, I was talking about the process that we go through inside of our asset builder program where we owe nothing but uh, no-load mutual funds and exchange-traded funds. And these are for clients that have less than a million dollars of investable assets in one singular account. Now, when we go through our process, we're looking for best of breed. So when we're looking for a large-cap growth manager, we're sending the large-cap growth actively managed no-load mutual fund managers through our gauntlet. They're going through our proprietary process of research and analysis, utilizing our 70-plus years of combined experience here at Davidson Capital Management to find what we consider the best of breed large cap growth manager for that particular asset class period. Not two of them, not three, not six, but the best. Now, once we make a selection of that particular no-load mutual fund for that particular asset class, they will then be continuously vetted to ensure that they're adhering to why we have selected them to be inside of the portfolio for our clients. 
So we're going to be looking at consistency of style. We're going to be looking at the portfolio and the information we can ascertain. What are their top 10 holdings? How concentrated or unconcentrated are they? What holdings do they own? Do we continue to agree with their investment management philosophy? So once we buy this position, it's not just buy and forget it. We're going to be constantly sending it through our gauntlet. And if for some reason it falls out of our criteria through our proprietary system, guess what? They get sold. They get sold. So it's not just buy and hold. We're buying and it's constant homework. Joe, I know you wanted to say something. Well, sure. And I think going through this process and working quite a bit in the 401k space, we have our process already set up to where we know if one of these particular investments are going to be on the watch list. And from time to time, the three of us will put our heads together. But when you have a team approach, you really dive down deep into the, into the particular mutual funds. And one thing you didn't mention, Kyle, or I don't think, is manager tenure. You know, if you have a new manager That's in a right. mutual fund, what does that mean to that particular portfolio? We might watch it temporarily, and if it's somebody that's coming on board that's been with the team a while, and they're going to take over the day-to-day portfolio management, you know, we might give them a pass. But but also part of the number side of it, and we were talking about this uh, a couple times in the past, is portfolio management is just not numbers. There's also It's also art to a certain extent. And some funds may do better in a down market than others. Um, and I wanted to bring that up, too. I mean, portfolio management is a combination of multiple things. And that also bodes true with mutual funds and, to a lesser extent, ETFs. But, but, and, again, that's where research comes into play. When we go through our research process, we're looking at upside capture. We're looking at downside capture. We're looking at all of these technical and fundamental indicators to determine whether or not we feel that this is going to be the best investment option. But what we have seen from the other big Wall Street firms is, well, let's just shotgun blast and put, let's put six, let's put 10 large cap growth managers. One or two of them have got to hit. One or two of them got to do a good year. Well, what about the rest of your money in the other five or six that are, are not doing well? What, what happens to the overall performance of your portfolio? You know, the other thing you have to determine and figure out, what are you actually paying for the multitude of all of these different investment options? If you do have 20, 30, 40 different exchange-traded funds and mutual funds in your portfolio, and we're just seeing this to be occurring more and more as the years have gone on. And I've had conversations with prospective clients that are with very large, very well-known, very reputable money managers where they have been told to their face that human beings do not manage money anymore at these firms. And they allow computers or algorithms to be making the investment decisions that, as you said, Joe, they're trying to equate money management down to numbers, down to technicals. But I hate to tell you, just Joe, just like you said, and this was something that our father taught Jeff and I many, many moons ago, is that managing money is a science, but it's also an art. And here's the thing that you have to remember. Algorithms are computer programs written by human beings. What if those human beings got their scenarios crossed? Their math was off. Their assumptions were wrong. That that algorithm is worthless. It's absolutely worthless because human beings have to write the actual algorithm. And so what we have seen in these super mega money management firms is they have become victims of their own success, of their own asset gathering to where they physically can't have human beings 
managing money anymore for their clients. And so then you well, as well, the they, client, they could, but they the could, problem but is the problem is it's profits. That's right. It's profits. It's, it's profits. So the question you have to ask, if you were a client of one of these type firms, what, what am I paying my management fee for if a computer is doing it? So I'm getting charged all these management fees for the internal expenses for the exchange traded funds and the mutual funds. Then I pay a portfolio management fee on top of that. But you're telling me that you're having a computer make the decisions because you're just such a giant super tanker of a money manager. You know, the question I would be asking is what happens if there's a dramatic event in the market? How fast can you move? How fast can you make changes in my portfolio? And they're not going to be able to answer that question and give you a definitive answer. Which leads us to really the most important part of, I think really the most important part of all this is that the person that you're talking to the vast majority of the time at the big mega wall street firms, the list that you gave in that first segment, Kyle and others is the person that you're talking to is not actually the decision maker. The decisions are made someplace else, either by a computer or a human in a computer and you never, you have no relationship with the decision maker. The only relationship you have is with the person that's charged with maintaining the relationship. And so in, in the vast majority of cases, and I have never seen in the history of us doing portfolio reviews, I've never seen any of those Wall Street firms beat us in terms of management fees, overall cost to the client. So if, if we're, if our, if our value proposition at Davidson Capital Management is you get to actually speak with the people that are actually making every single investment decision and doing it for less than the big Wall Street houses in much more focused portfolios. You know, our, fo- our portfolios are laser focused. The shotgun approach the shotgun approach is like putting five quarterbacks on the field at the same time or putting five pitchers on the mound at the same time. <laughs> you don't do that. What do you do? You put your best players on the field. You got a bench, but you also have the best players on the field at the right time. You don't you don't buy 10 different large cap stock ETFs and mutual funds and put them in the portfolio. That makes no sense whatsoever. Pick the best one. That's what you put in the portfolio. Why can't the big Wall Street houses with all their people and all their computers and all their, uh, all the things they have at their disposal research? Why, why do they have to build a portfolio where they, where, where they shotgun approach everything? Yes, Kyle. I- I can answer part of that question because the proprietary relationships they have with the outside mutual fund managers and exchange traded fund providers and the revenue sharing agreements that they have. Why charge your client a one and a quarter percent management fee where you can charge them one and a quarter percent management fee, then invest their money in a mutual fund that charges another one percent. And then that manager of that 1% mutual fund kicks back to you another quarter of 1%. And now you're charging your client, you're making even more money off of one client because of the kickbacks and the proprietary relationships that they have. So then as if you're a client of these types of firms, 
you have to ask yourself, are the players on my field the best players? Or are they the players that pay the biggest kickbacks to the firm that, that I work with? So then the firm that you're working with, you have to think, how objective are they in their investment-making or portfolio design process when they're getting paid X number of dollars from this outside mutual fund manager or this outside exchange-traded fund manager? Are they truly objective? And I can answer that question right now. The answer is absolutely not. They are not objective when they're getting revenues shared with them. Well, let's take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts, where you can leave your comments, and don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning in this weekend's Money Wise program, going into investor education and a Really, this second hour, we're talking about what Wall Street won't tell you. And so before we went to break, we're talking about the lack of objectivity that we have seen, in our opinion, over the last 30-plus years of being in business with these mega-large Wall Street firms from the Merrill Lynch's, the Edward Joneses of the world, to the Ameriprises. Proprietary relationships, meaning revenue sharing that they are receiving from outside mutual fund managers, from outside exchange-traded fund managers that clouds the objectivity of the firm that an investor is working with to ensure that these particular investments find their way in your portfolio. But the question you have to ask yourself, were these the best choices? Was this the best of breed? Yeah, Joe. Well, sure. Kyle, dovetailing what you're talking about, and just the other week I was reviewing a – looking at a particular firm and – one thing we do is, yes, we research our investments. We also research our competitors. We also look at their ADV Part 2, other disclosures. But if they are using proprietary mutual funds, a lot of times the, the point is, what is Wall Street not telling you? Well, that firm, generally speaking, has to tell you, and it actually said there in black and white, there's a conflict of interest because this particular firm is using their own proprietary funds, and it's disclosed in black and white. So you can actually pull back the curtain on Wall Street, but you have to know how to do your own research on this. And, and most individual investors won't. You can go to broker check. You can type in the name of the firm that you're working with, that you're thinking about working with, and you can go into their ADV Part 2 through the SEC website to be able to research what potential conflicts of interest, what other proprietary relationships they have. I know of one particular firm that has commercials all the time They actually disclose how much in revenue they're receiving on an annual basis from these outside firms. And so it's no surprise that when we do portfolio reviews of prospective clients that are working with this particular firm, why we typically see the top three mutual fund families that provide the biggest amount of revenue 
to this firm as the only three mutual fund families that show up in a portfolio. And, and, and again, this is, this is what should really be raising question marks above anyone's head that is working with these large firms. And then you also have to ask yourself, why am I working with these larger firms? Does a larger firm that have the marble columns, as dad calls it, the fancy, you know, the fancy offices, the big name brands, the huge marketing campaigns and all the commercials and what have you, does that provide a higher level of comfort to you? as an investor, a higher level of security. I mean, that is what they are relying on. This is why they do it. They're relying on their marketing and their fancy offices and all the sharp dressed folks that work for them to, to, to create this sense of security when what they're doing in the portfolios from our reviews and analysis, isn't anything to write home to mom about. It's the, we're big. And so we must be good if we're this big. Yeah. It just means they're bigger, great marketers. Bigger, bigger doesn't mean better. Bigger just means they, they spend more money on marketing. That's right. They're bigger asset gatherers. And, you know, we've utilized the MoneyWise program to educate for the last 16-plus years, to educate investors, to warn them. You know, we'll, we, we will make 10 investment decisions. Six to seven of them will work. Three to four of them won't. We're not saying that we're the end-all, be-all money manager, but the one thing that the, the multiple things that we are, it's transparent, completely honest and ethical. And as far as from a fee standpoint, there is not another firm on the street that can touch us when it comes to the management fees that we've charged. We have 100%. no conflicts of interest. And we don't have any revenue sharing. No one pays us to own any of their investments. All the investments are vetted and put into and, and, and client money is invested in it based on the merits of that particular investment, not based on any sort of revenue sharing agreement that, that we, that we don't have with anybody and never have had and never will have. Yes, Joe. Yeah, well, Joe. I, one of the things we're talking about is really about proprietary relationships with mutual funds in mutual funds, ETFs, but the one thing that we always emphasize is that as asset allocation. And when you have a down market or you have a correction or during the pandemic uh, or during the financial crisis, your first line of defense is what? And we all know what this is. It's asset allocation, right? Individual uh, equity act- select. Active asset allocation. Correct. So my point being is if you are interviewing an advisor at a particular firm, and there are some that are out there that do their own research, Ask them, do they create their own asset allocation models? Are they going with what the firm recommends? That's a very, that's a question you need to ask. And if that's the case, that's great. Ask them, okay, when was the last time you made a decision on a particular mutual fund or ETF or separately managed account that's, that, that's in that allocation? So well, getting at I, it, that's a big part of, of the investment management process and active versus passive management is who's doing the allocations. Well, and, and you brought up a point because – Yes, we're talking about all the major firms out there, and there are still some diamonds in the rough. There are still some traditional stockbrokers on the financial sales side of the business that deal that still do their own security selections, that do manage their own portfolios. There, there are. They're few and far between, but there are. But your line of questioning, Joe, is absolutely dead on. Where are you finding your research? 
because if they are selecting their own securities, whether it's mutual funds, exchange traded funds, or individual stocks, where are you getting your research? That is a great question to ask. If they're just getting the research from the firm that employs them, is that truly objective? I mean, I could bore our listeners with the multi-layered process, our proprietary process that we go through in vetting every single security that we select at Davidson Capital Management, but I don't want, especially if people are listening to the show driving, I don't want to put them to sleep and cause any accidents. But when we go and do our research, we're getting our information from a multitude of different sources, not you know, not, not to also exclude our own proprietary screening process of 44 points of screens that we have put into place. Screen one, 22 points. Screen two, an additional 22 points to vet our list of individual stocks when, when we're owning individual stocks. And then we cross-reference that from a multitude of other research firms, not just one not just our custodian who's Schwab, we look at a multitude of different ones. And so that is another important question to ask. If you do work with an advisor that is actively selecting their own securities, but then to follow up if they are doing that selection is when was the last time you made changes in your portfolio? What is your performance track record? How old and long is that performance track record? Well, one thing when we're doing research and we use databases to input when we're doing a portfolio review, it's kind of interesting because there are some prospective clients that a year and a half ago have have put everything into the software, put all their positions, all our asset allocations, and then maybe a year later or a year and a half later, they haven't come on board as a client yet. And I'll say, hey, can you give me that, that statement from that portfolio they reviewed a year and a half ago? If the allocations are the same, and the securities are the same, and they're charging you 1% or more, you really got to look yourself in the mirror and go, what am I doing? You know, I, and I've, I've seen it multiple times. That is not active management. That is a portfolio that is put together on hope and prayer. And, and from a, a, a scientific versus, you know, science versus art perspective, you look set at it. Yeah, set it and forget yeah. it is not a long-term successful investment strategy. And we certainly saw this in the financial crisis of 08, 09, uh, where we met with prospective clients that had monies invested with the big Wall Street firms. And when, when a client tells you, well, I lost 40%, 50% in, in 2008, well, I know two things that happened. One, there was far too much money invested in stocks in that particular portfolio and two no one was managing anything to have lost that much money and that's what the vast i think the vast majority of the uh, of the wall street firms uh count on the statistic that the market's going to be up 80 percent of the time that's just what the statistics say 74 percent but close okay 74 percent since 1926 and so they, they play the probabilities. We just stay invested all the time. Yeah. We, we, we very rarely sell. We very rarely reallocate. We just, we're, we're always Final. in it for the long, we're long-term investors, quote unquote. <clears throat> and so the, 
the other 26% of the time when the markets are down, every once in a while, you'll have a 30% down year. It's very rare, but they're out there. Most of the time, it's down 5, down 10, whatever. But the point of the matter is, is there's no active management occurring. And really, the key to long-term successful investment management it's not necessarily beating the S&P when you have years like when you have back to back or back years of up markets. It's keeping your hole shallow when the markets are down. That's where a real active management comes into play. Yeah, because remember, you lose 50 percent of the value of your portfolio. You have to make 100 percent just to get back to where you started. And I want to pick up on that point on the other side of the break. So let's do that now. Let's take our next break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys. You can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at one 800 275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts, where you can comment and don't forget to like the show. So we're in our last segment of this weekend's MoneyWise program and wrapping up our investor education on what Wall Street won't tell you. And right before we went to break, we were talking about what 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 we truly believe what builds and maintains long-term wealth, it's not capturing every percentage gain in up years. It's keeping your hole shallower in down years, playing a great defense. That is the best long-term strategy for offense. So we were talking about all the major brokerage firms of every name brand that you could think of that has commercials and print ads, what have you, going through situations like the financial crisis or even going back to the dot-com bubble bursting. As Jeff said in the last segment, when the stock market 74% of the time since 1926 has had positive returns, when we have those abnormal years where we're down, have a 30% down year like during the financial crisis or have dramatic, long, protracted pullbacks in the market, brokerage firms are just going to say, stay the course. Just stay the course. You don't want to you don't want to make any adjustments. You don't want to make any changes. Well, we would recommend, yeah, you don't go 100% to cash. We would agree with every Wall Street firm in existence. You never go 100% cash because that is a failed strategy. But playing a great defense with a proper allocation, active asset management, very stringent proprietary security screening process, and keeping that hole shallower allows you to recover that much faster. Because let's say you go down. 50% and you need a hundred percent to get back to where you started and to get to that hundred percent, it's going to take the next two to three years to get there. Well, what if your portfolio was only down 15% and then you were able to get back in at a lower price with the cash that was raised because there was active management and you played active defense, your portfolio would be far ahead of a portfolio that just was static during this downturn and didn't play defense. Another reason why Wall Street doesn't pay defense is because of revenues. Absolutely right. Because if they if, if they were to reduce 
securities in in an investor's portfolio and go to cash for a period of time, those that that those securities that were sold would not be generating any revenue sharing for the firm because they would no longer be in the portfolio. And we saw that a lot with one particular firm, which I'm not going to name that has a lot of revenue sharing agreements. Uh, But that's, that's probably the biggest reason why wall street doesn't sell when, when, when times get, you know, capitalism, the nature of capitalism is there's going to be booms and then there's going to be, periods where things are very quiet, flat, if you will, and then sometimes they're busts. That's just the nature of capitalism. And so in the bust times, if Wall Street, who's, who would already be suffering because it was bust times, would go in and start selling in mass securities out of their clients' portfolios, remember it's buy low, sell high. They did that then they would also be cutting their own throats and reducing their revenues even more. And so they don't. And that's why we time and time again, we hear in the, when we, the tough times, there will be tough times again. There always are. We'll see these same folks in our offices telling us their story. Well, you know, we are doing so well for so long. And that's the other thing, you know, people get complacent. Investors get complacent when the markets do well for extended period of times, they don't care about revenue sharing. They don't care about way too many. They they don't care about management fees. They don't care about the, the, the excess number of securities in their portfolio. They don't care about how they vote, have 10 large cap mutual funds in their portfolio and 20 small cap mutual funds in their portfolio, because every month I'm getting a statement and it's going higher and I'm making more money. And I got a big smile on my face and you get complacent. But then when it turns, it's like you come visit you know, someone like Davidson Capital and we look at the portfolio. So, well, here's the reason why the portfolio failed so miserably in the down markets for this, 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 and this. Oh, and by the way, you're paying this for all of this, this failed strategy. And people are like, wow, I wish I'd have known this. I wish I'd have heard you earlier. I wish I'd have heard if this segment. If we had a dollar, if we had a dollar for every time we have heard that over the last 30 plus years, and we hear it all the time. And so our recommendation would be to save yourself the grief, not getting complacent, as we have always said, and take this right from Joe, stealing your thunder, Joe, knowing what you own. Well, if, if you don't truly know what you own, you don't truly know what your asset allocation model looks like, you don't know how much you're paying, you don't know if it's being actively managed, this is why we offer portfolio reviews and analysis to prospective clients to get a second opinion from a team of portfolio managers that have over 70 years of combined experience that truly manage money in-house that do our own research, that select our own securities. And oh, by the way, we haven't said it this whole segment, we eat our own cooking, meaning we personally own the same securities our clients own. So you can bet that they've been vetted to an inch of their life because if they're going to be going into my portfolio or Jeff's or to Joe's, they're darn good enough to be in our clients' portfolios and they're going to be properly managed. So save yourself the grief before that downturn or on the other side of a downturn, when you've lost 20, 25, 30% of your nest egg's net worth because you felt that 
well, I was with so-and-so firm. They're so well-known. They've been around for 70 or 80 years. They have hundreds of billions of dollars under management. They're supposed to be good because I hear about them all the time. What, why did they not perform for me? And this is what happens. They're great asset gatherers. They're great victims, marketers. Great marketers. They're the victims of their own success at asset gathering to where they can no longer truly actively manage money hands-on and leave it up to a computer algorithm that was also written by a human being that could have a lot of different failed strategies in that algorithm and wind, and who winds up becoming the victim of all of this? You, the investor. This is why we do portfolio reviews, to peel, to pull that curtain back and to tell you and to teach you and let you know about the things that Wall Street won't tell you. With that, we're coming up to the end of this weekend's Money Wise program. Again, if you'd like to give us a call, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. You can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, subscribe to the Money Wise podcast on Apple Podcasts. And with that, for Jeff, our good man Joe, this is Kyle Davidson wanting to thank you for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. And to your financial health, we will talk to you next week.